Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London. This is my show, and what I like to do each week on Geekscape is talk to a storyteller about movies, video games, comic books, music, anything pop culture is kind of what I've been obsessed with my entire life, and I've spent the last 13 plus years doing exactly this in podcast form, talking to storytellers and kind of being like, hey man, what's behind those stories? Why do you do this? Um, this is the first episode of 2020. Sorry about that. I've had a, uh, a cold. I've had a cold for a long time. Uh, it's one of those colds where it was really bad for like two days, but then it had that lingering cough for two weeks. And the cough was so bad that there was no way uh, I was going to record the episode. I actually, um, this episode is super exciting for me because, as you'll hear, uh, my friend Krista makes from Less Than Jake, which is one of my favorite bands. You'll hear they're one of my um, Mount Rushmore bands. Uh, one of my top bands in my life. Uh, Krista Makes is their lead singer and guitarist, and um, and he's my guest this episode. I actually went through the entire conversation with him not coughing, and that was a rarity uh, because we talked for about 40, 45 minutes, and <laughs> I can't believe I didn't cough through the whole thing because I've been coughing like crazy uh, for uh, about two weeks now. And I'm holding it together right now just to get you guys this intro because I missed you. I did miss you guys, but I've recorded a couple of Geekscapes. They're going to be coming out in the next uh, couple of weeks. And, um, and we're back for 2020. Uh, 2019, it was okay. It was all right. Uh, I didn't really give you guys a best of uh, list, but I enjoyed so many things in, in 2019. I watched the Witcher series twice. I thought that was awesome. I really enjoyed the Witcher and the Mandalorian Geek, Geekscapist, you know that we talked Mandalorian in a couple episodes ago. Me and Ian and Kerner did a giant deep dive into the Mandalorian. What does it mean? Who's that mysterious character in the tail end of episode 5 that's hinted at? All those things are answered and rumored and uh, we've thought about in that episode. So go back in the feed if you're a big Star Wars fan. And we also reviewed the last Star Wars movie in a different episode. But 
I loved The Mandalorian. Go back, listen to that episode if you're a Mandalorian fan. If you're a Star Wars fan, go back and hear our thoughts on um, Rise of Skywalker. Um, but my biggest movie last year was, um, my favorite movie was Jojo Rabbit. I loved that. Uh, some of the other movies I really enjoyed was, I enjoyed 1917. I enjoyed Booksmart. Um, really, really loved a lot of movies. Didn't get to see The Lighthouse. Uh, had a really cool event earlier this week. Uh, the fine folks at Final Draft invited uh, me to kind of walk the red carpet and attend their award show. They have a, a yearly re- award show at Paramount, and I love attending this thing. And this was the best year yet. Uh, I show up, and the two hosts are the Sklar Brothers, who are former Geekscape guests, and they're hilarious. And the Sklar Brothers even included me in a little sketch that we did during the uh, during the award show. So you know when the uh, when the award hosts do a little sketch with the audience. Well, sometimes they're plants, and uh, and I was one of the plants, so I got to uh, to do a little little comedy with the the Sklar brothers, and that was kind of cool. That was Tuesday night of this week. Um, I'm glad I didn't cough during that sketch too. <laughs> um, what was cool about the award show too was. Um, they gave Quentin Tarantino an award, like a Lifetime Achievement Award, and um, and he was there. It was one of these things where, where people were like, oh, he's going to send in a video. No, Quentin was there. And what was really cool, too, is the Warriors director, who also did 48 Hours, Walter Hill, gave him the award, and they had a lot of cool anecdotes about each other. And um, in think what you will about like Quentin's movie. I think, uh, I think Kill Bill 1 and 2 are incredible. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, obviously, like you watch that and you want to become a filmmaker. Uh, Pulp Fiction is a lot of people's favorites, um, and, and I enjoy lots of parts of, of the movies. I mean, you can't watch Quentin's movies and be like, "Holy shit, uh, I don't, I hate this." Uh, you can watch them and be like, "Hey, some of this is familiar, some of this is new," but really, if he's going to make a bunch of really cool scenes. Um, He's the best there is. Like if you like, imagine Quentin Tarantino movies like a mixtape of some stuff you've heard before, some stuff you haven't heard before, and he's gonna put a mixtape together for you. And the mixtape is better than anybody else can really make a mixtape. And uh, and I've started to think about that in regards to Quentin Tarantino that he just has these amazing vignettes and the characters weave in and out. And, and think what you will about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which so many people love. And um, in Hateful Eight, and I love Inglorious Bastards, but it's just these great scenes, and they're all weaving in and out. And it was cool to uh, say, "Hey, Quentin, that was a great speech," which I did. And he said, "Hey, thanks, man." <laughs> and then he touched Heidi's back. He 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 was stepping past us, trying not. You know, nobody was really hounding him, which was cool. But um, but it was pretty awesome that Final Draft gave him a, a lifetime achievement award, and I was there to see it. And tell him, cool speech, man. I've been spending a lot of time with Final Draft. They are not Geekscape sponsors. Um, but I've been spending the last month or so on a rewrite. And so I've spent my time with Final Draft 11, which is, this is the first time I've kind of jumped into Final Draft 11. I wrote this original draft at 9. Final Draft 10, I don't know you screenwriters out there, Final Draft 10 for me was kind of like, ooh, um, not my favorite. But all of the things that were a little off to me about Final Draft 10 uh, are really fixed and flowing in Final Draft 11. And again, I'm not getting paid to say that. I've just spent the last month in Final Draft 11 trying to deliver my producer a rewrite. So there's been a lot of cool projects as we finish things like Chasing Fletcher Allen, the film that you guys helped crowdfund. Uh, There's some news that I'll break out 
um, regarding some Geekscape, other, other Geekscape-involved projects. Um, but again, thank you guys for, for allowing me to do some creative stuff outside of just giving you guys a podcast. Um, and I hope to make good. Um, I'm glad I didn't catch that Wuhan coronavirus. <laughs> Maybe that's what I have. <laughs> the one from China, this coronavirus that is just, like, I think there's two people in the United States that have come down with the Wuhan coronavirus. <laughs> guys, I got pretty sick. Uh, it really sucked, and it's been hanging out for a while. A lot of people have had the cold and the flu. Uh, I guess go get your flu shot or whatever, but this has really been tough, and I have wanted to get you guys episodes, and there's no way I'm just going to hawk, like, like, hack and cough for an hour with you guys. Um, back to the award show, what was also cool was Bong Joon-ho, who did um, a, a movie that I really liked. Um, uh, he, he did the, the, what was the name of this, this movie? It, it came out this year. You guys are screaming it at, at me right now. It won the Palm d'Or. Uh, he did Snowpiercer, Parasite, Parasite. He did Okja, Snowpiercer, Parasite. My favorite movie of his is The Host. If you haven't seen The Host, it's like a Godzilla movie. It's like kind of like a kaiju movie, uh, but it's this little creature that's like growing under the South Korean uh, bridge, and then it falls loose into the water and starts eating people. Uh, and Bong Joon-ho was there at the award show giving an award to Lulu Wang, who directed The Farewell, a movie I haven't seen, but I love the story. Um, it's a pretty amazing story. I heard it on This American Life, which helped get the movie turned in, uh, get the, the movie deal done because Lulu Wang had this amazing story and nothing was happening with the script. And then This American Life did a story on it. It's a pretty amazing story. I won't spoil it for you. Um, and then that, that garnered enough interest for them to then make the movie. And Aquafina's in the movie and I've heard it's amazing. I just have not seen it. So I've been working on my own stuff. I've been like, oh, I gotta make my own movies. <laughs> but I watched The Witcher twice. <laughs> so Geekscapist, it's a balancing act and you don't always get it right. But I'm always trying. Um, and I'm always trying to get you guys episodes. Uh, so here's one. Here's a fucking awesome episode. Krista Makes from Less Than Jake. If you aren't familiar with Less Than Jake, you're probably new to uh, Geekscape because I talk about them quite a bit as much as Mr. T Experience and the other bands that I really love um, they are a Mount Rushmore band for me speaking of another Mount Rushmore band Punchline I'm just going to slip this in here real quick they did our theme song and their bassist Chris has a brand new show on the Geekscape network it's called uh, One Hit Thunder and basically it's a weekly show go look for it right now add it to your podcast queue and it's One Hit Thunder that's what you search for and Chris sits down with a different person every week and they find a one-hit wonder and they go through their discography and say, wait, these people had other great songs. Or they didn't and they are a one-hit blunder. So that's kind of what they do every, every week. Is like, uh, like, For instance, episode one is Aqua who did Barbie Girl. And they listen to Aqua, Barbie Girl, they go through the whole discography and they say, you know what? <laughs> Barbie Girl may have only been their best, it may have been their only good song. <laughs> so they're a one-hit blunder. I think that's maybe what they say on this episode. But you have to listen for yourself. Um, but I just love that it's a deep dive back on music. And uh, and you always wonder, what the hell happened to that band that had that one hit? So it's called One Hit Thunder. That's the podcast. Love having Chris and the family. Uh, and while we're speaking about the podcast network, listen to this. Megaran, who does our wrestling podcast, did a rap. You guys know Megaran. He's a rapper. He's been on the show. He does his chiptunes rap, his nerdcore rap. 
he did a rap about The Rock's dad who died recently, Rocky Johnson. And so he did a little, uh, uh, you know, rap for him, just kind of shouting him out and what he meant to him. Mega Rand's a huge uh, wrestling fan, as you may know if you subscribe to the Matt Mania podcast. The Rock shared the freaking rap. The Rock retweeted Mega Ran and blew him up. Yes, Dwayne, the jo- Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, like the Scorpion King. Let's just call him the Scorpion King. <laughs> the Scorpion King shared his tweet and blew it out of the water. And I thought that was pretty amazing. So it's kind of cool. The Geekscape Network is getting out there. Um, Love all the story, all the different successes we've had. Um, Thank you, Matt Kelly, for running the Podcast Network. Great job on this brand new show with Chris, One Hit Thunder. Um, And obviously, thank you, Derek, for continuing to maintain the website and everything. And his show is, I'm just going to tell you, it's my favorite Geekscape show. I love listening to... Uh, Derek talk about his Xbox games so so uh, so please go to the Geekscape website and find all those podcasts let's get back to Chris to mix um, you guys will hear it just I, there's not there's only so much I can say about this interview I got a chance to go and sit down with him and talk about this before his solo show in uh, in, in Hermosa Beach this this past week um, and I mean what can I say the dude is responsible for a large part of the soundtrack that is my life from being uh, 14 15 years old and discovering that first Pezcore album uh, in the mid 90s uh, to now it just seems like every less than Jake album has uh, paralleled the things going through my mind and going through my heart and going through my life as they've released and damn they have some songs that take me back and uh, and they, they they're still making songs that Get me fired up. So maybe you're listening to this because you're a big Less Than Jake fan, and you're like, shut up, man. Let's get to the interview. Uh, how much are you going to hem and haw? Um, or you've never heard of Less Than Jake, in which I'm going to say when you're done with this episode, go to Spotify, go to Apple Music, go to the record store, go to the fucking record store, and go buy some Less Than Jake records, because you know that digital stuff is going to start getting yanked sooner or later. It may not happen this year. It may not happen 10 years, 20 years. But one day you're going to look up and be like, wait, where are my downloads? Wait, this isn't available anymore. You know how stuff just disappears from Netflix? Yeah, it's going to start happening in your music too. So go get the physical copies. Go to your record store. Go get the physical copies of these records. The Lesson Jake records. You can't go wrong with any of them. And without further ado, because I've hem and hawed for a bit now, here's Krista Makes from Lesson Jake. Geekscapist, I'm here with my friend Chris Demakes uh, from Less Than Jake. And this has been a long time coming, having Chris on the show. I've, I'm going to tell you it's been over 25 years coming because I was on your street team in, two, in 1995. I've been chasing you around for 25 years. <laughs> you, you didn't want to do this with me. It's the other way around. <laughs> What's funny about it is I've actually, uh, when I, I was just telling your, uh, your tour manager, Travis, that when um, you guys came to Philly to play with the MU330 and the Impossibles at Villanova. I had Vinny on my radio show in Philly. Okay. Um, and I've been in and out with talking to you or, or talking to Vinny, talking to Roger. Obviously, a Less Than Jake fan for, I mean, almost the existence of the band. Um, and here I am talking to you, Chris. And those guys, Vinny has his side project, the label, and Roger's got his other band, but. Chris, is this, I mean, is Lesson Jake like your baby? Is that the one where you're like, no, 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 
No, no side gigs, no side um, things. Well, kind of for the longest time it was. I mean, I co-founded the band with Vinny. So for the longest time, there really... Um, I guess there would have been time to do other stuff, but we were... God, for the first 15 years of the band, we were gone nine, ten months out of the year. We were workhorses. And even since then, we still keep up with a pretty... Uh, pretty hefty schedule so you know it's it's uh kind of the gift that keeps on giving but you know i have a lot of a lot of things currently that i'm doing outside of the band and uh trying to uh, make it all work together what i've loved is watching your instagram uh as you roll back through the years yeah you, you kind of peel back and, and that's something that didn't exist in the mid 90s and um and, and i think it it might play into the fact that all the old punkers are now they're now all becoming folk artists have you noticed that like the people who are doing yeah. punk they're now like doing folk bands right. and i'm catching chris geekscapus uh upstairs at the venue where he's doing an acoustic uh set on on, on his acoustic tour uh and it's kind of the perfect place to catch you because um knowing the real big fish guys they've been on the podcast knowing the different bands that you regularly tour with those are the worst scenarios for having you on the podcast <laughs> because there's just too much going on. And, like, and you guys really are the hardest working band that I've seen. Um, I've seen all sorts of bands open for you guys and I've seen you guys on multiple giant arena tours or warp tours, those big festival tours. Um, what have you seen like has changed in us? Like, we, I, like I've seen the band as a kind of a, a constant in my life, but... Uh, the teenagers who got into the band in the 90s, what do you see when the kids come to the Lester and Jake shows today? And like, what are the things that have changed? Well, I mean, the kids that are coming are, are, are your kids. Right. It's, you know, the, the people who listen to us in the 90s are having kids and they're bringing them now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other than that, uh, you know, what's changed is uh, we can't play uh, weekday shows past 1030 because people have babysitters. Um, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Um, we do matinee shows. We did we did a matinee show on this tour in, in Tempe, Arizona, the other day, and it was packed. Really? Because, yeah, it was on a Sunday. This works it was a matinee. Yeah, yeah, because imagine doing a matinee show uh, when you're 15. You're not going to go out on a Sunday. No, you want to go out at night. You're a mm-hmm. kid. So, um, you know, a lot has changed, and nothing has changed at the same time. And you don't think that your message has changed from what you, I mean? You guys, I, w- I don't want to say that you guys are writing about the same things because when you listen to, to bands as they mature. Sometimes the sounds are the same, but you guys have changed multiple members over the years. But like the things that you care about, are they're not the same things in the '90s. How do you guys keep that parallel with the music? How do you keep that passionate? Because a lot of you've seen a lot of bands fall fall off. Yeah, hey, I don't know. You know, um, I've been asked that question before. We just keep doing what we're doing. If it feels good, then we write it, and if it connects with other people, great. And there's some stuff we've wrote that you know hasn't connected as much as other stuff, and um, but it was still from the heart. You know, mm-hmm. all you can do is—it's like anything else. It's like being an athlete, being a plumber, being a writer, being somebody that that, that runs a podcast. You you uh, uh, you can try to go lowest common denominator and be like, "I'm going to do this because this is what sells," and that might get you somewhere in the short run. But no. in, in in the long run, you know, if you're not doing it for the right reasons or there's any type of passion or or you want to be your best at it, you know, and that's kind of what we always strive for. Were there t- were there times? Looking at big label, small label, indie label, our own label, you know, uh, returning to a major label with something like uh, In With The Out Crowd and so and so that you guys had already been uh, on that ride in the late 90s. Um, were there times when you're like, okay, we were following our 
heart. We were following what, what, we, what we all as a band thought was a, a great decision. And maybe through a regime change or power out of your control, you're like, shit, this just f- fell flat on, in our laps. Not really, because again, you know, one of two things was going to happen with us being a major. Either we were going to have a hit, and if we would have had a hit, we would have been, our band was good enough from a live setting, if we could have had the money behind us, we would have been in an arena band. Yes. There's no doubt in my mind. It's not from an ego standpoint. If we would have had a hit or two, it would have went to the next level. We didn't. So we, we just kept doing what we were doing. Mm-hmm. There was no ego. It's like, tonight we're playing in Scranton, Pennsylvania to 600 people, and it's sold out and it's packed. And then the next week we're on Warp Tour in front of 15,000 people. And then the next week we're in Italy at a punk squat playing to 400 people in the middle of a town you can't pronounce. And the very next day we're at the Greenfield Festival in Sw- Interlock in Switzerland playing to 60,000 people on the main stage. That's been our career trajectory. It's just kind of been, you know, so there's never been a point where, like, man, we were in arenas, and now we don't have hits, and and we can't afford a bus, and we're in a van, and we're playing to 300 people a night. I mean, playing to 12 people or playing to to, to, to 12,000 people, it's still a show. It Mm -hmm. doesn't, it's never been, that's been our career. We never had this huge thing. It's, I always say it's it's the tortoise and the hare. We've just been this tortoise. It's kind of going along, and we just keep picking up fans. We're still picking up people that like the band. Well, that's what I say, because when I saw you guys uh, in Koreatown last time you guys came through Los Angeles, at the Terragram, and there were people who could not have been alive. Like, there were kids that were under 20 years old who just weren't alive. And, right. and, they're, and they're fans. They're not, they're not kids of mine. They're not kids of people that were there. Our, our sound it's, is only dated from people that remember 90s ska punk. Sure. A 14-year-old kid, and that was the best compliment we would get on a Warped Tour. These kids would come up, and they'd be like... And I'd be standing at the merch booth. It'd be 11 in the morning. I'd be like, so is the band around? I'm in the band. And they'd look at me like, how could this 40-year-old guy be in the, you know, they found us on YouTube, they found us in their parents' collection, whatever the case may be, and to them it sounds fresh and it sounds new and it sounds different because it isn't what's on the radio or what their buddies are listening to at school. So it's not dated to them. It, we're only dated because our name is associated with 90s ska punk and to people who have heard that sound that are our age, if that makes sense. No, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And when you saw the that scene kind of start falling apart going into the early 2000s. Um, and now you can make the argument that rock and roll has fallen apart and that rock and roll is a part of it. But Well, I'd like to make... Yeah, you know, but, but I don't go for it. I don't want to correct you. The scene didn't fall apart. The scene signed a bunch of horrible... Excuse my <laughs> no, language. go for it. ...fucking bands that right. were awful. Oh, you got a horn section? We're going to put your record out. And it's like anything else. It's like the grunge thing. How many great... You know, if you want to... I hate labeling things. How many great grunge bands were there? There was... Good amount, but to think of all the copycats that were horrific. No, and the labels and the labels blood. Them, so, yeah, the labels. Yeah, the sh- you know they shark, come shark in infested waters. <laughs> and and you saw it happen with Gilman Street. You saw it happen with all those different yeah. scenes. I'm sure you guys in Florida, the Newfound Glory guys, who are your neighbor. Mm-hmm. All those kids started coming in, and, and we vi- caught we, we caught flack in the it was getting late '90s around Hello Rockview. Where we saw the writing on the wall, we were always that's one thing I'll toot our horn. We were five incredibly smart individuals. And we could see the writing on the wall of, like, we can't just stay in this world. Yet you didn't shift your music, I would argue. Not like, so they, much yeah. music, but we couldn't continue to do ska fest after ska fest after sure. ska bands. And we would branch out. We took a Bon Jovi tour. People were like, why did you do Which that? Which fucking awesome. We, yeah, we, why would you not take a Bon well, Jovi tour? Well, we did it for, for one reason. A couple reasons. Print promotion. Yeah. <laughs> 
the story behind it. it yes. Pre-internet, the story behind it, and we were the sole opening band, and it wasn't bad money for back then. We, you know, we it was five grand a night. And we got two bottles of wine, a case of water, and five towels. In Geekscape, if you're on Instagram and you're not following uh, Chris, the stories that you're rolling back from tours like that are, tour, are, are stories which, if you've been with the band or not with the, with the band, they're great stories. I read those stories and I say, oh, holy shit, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, I remember the tour when you guys first started bringing the, the Pez kit out with the uh, toilet paper on, the, on uh-huh. the, the leaf blower. I remember this and I remember the different shifts and stuff. In the band, um, but they're just great stories to begin with, you know. Because well, there, there's a story, there's a legend there. So I've been wanting to write, to write a book for years. Long story short, I uh, have put pen to paper. I started doing outlines. I have a vast uh, rock and autobi- uh, rock and roll autobiography and biography um, uh, book collection. Mm-hmm. Read every one of them that's out there, and I started doing these outlines of Hi, I'm Krista Makes. I was born blah 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 mm. in, in Michigan. And it kind of was like reading like the rest of them. So, woke up one morning. It was December fourth of twenty eighteen, and I decided to do this blast from the past pick of the day. I call it on Instagram old picture with a story. And lo and behold, after about two or three weeks, I'm like, "Holy crap! I'm writing my book one one story at a time. I'm going to do this for one year. I'm going to turn it into a book this June. It, the book's coming out on Smart Punk Records." All the stories, everything, it's, it's printed in like a yearbook uh-huh. form. And I saw the, the mock-up, the prototypes of it. It looks absolutely amazing. So We're going to have to pimp it when it comes out? Yeah, yeah. So i got the book um, coming out. And uh, you had asked me about other, other things going on. We'll, hit, we'll touch this real yeah. quick while I'm on the subject. Uh, i got that, uh, the book coming out. New Less Than Jake record will be out this year in what? August. Yeah, we uh, finished a record in November. So the record, the record will, be, will be out. Uh, with our new drummer Matt Yonker, mm-hmm. and uh, he played wonderfully on it. I can't, I can't Vinny remember. doesn't just do the the so the the home shows anymore. He's because he, uh, th- when you guys started touring and Matt became your touring drummer, is that correct? Uh, yes. Then now Matt is your drummer. Drummer. Yeah. And no. Vinny. Vinny, Vinny yeah. Vinny left in the in uh, September 2018. Mm-hmm. He's, he he's not not drumming with us now. Yeah. It's, yeah. But much love. Yeah. Much love to Vinny. Yeah. Um, of course. Yeah. God. He. he I've known him since I was 15. <laughs> Isn't that insane? <laughs> you know, but, uh, and then the other thing is, uh, uh, I've been doing custom songs yeah. for people. I don't know if you saw it on, on my Instagram. I did. What's the name of that service? Because I think Steve from Punchline does those yeah, things he too. He does those on a service kind of downright, downright that takes his money. Okay. Not me. It's direct through me. Steve, it, stop doing that. Like, you have I, enough friends. I do, told him. I already had a like conversation Chris. with him. Yeah, no, I, I do it direct to the fans. I communicate with them. It's between them and I. Mm-hmm. Um, I and it's been such a blessing. I can't fill the orders fast enough. And it, it, it touches people on a level. Met a lady and her husband last night that I wrote a song for them uh, in San Diego. They were having issues in their relationship the past two years. She wrote to me, and she played the song last night before the show, a couple hours, to her husband. I had sent it to her like two weeks ago. And they had like the best night they've had in a long time, and it's, uh, it's been a real, you know, again talking about uh, doing things for money. Yes, I'm getting paid for uh, for a service and, and and providing for my family, and it's another income stream, which is great. It's not about the money. It's about this connection has been indescribable that I've had with people. I got videos of women crying Christmas morning from these songs, men shaking that their wife bought them a song from their favorite. Band, mm-hmm. so it's a, a really cool thing. Uh, so yeah, that the book, New Less Than Jake record. We're gonna be touring our 
uh, our butts off this year when the record comes out as usual, and uh, yeah, just staying busy. Well, what about this thing that you're doing here with the acoustic? Is there any chance of like recording that? Like, well, what, what's you know, it done for you? Like, yeah, this see, is something you've started recently. Doing. No, well, I started. No, I started doing this in 2014. Right. Um, and I've probably done all told maybe a hundred, hundred and twenty shows mm-hmm. uh, solo. It's I do about last year I did ten solo shows. And what's the difference when you go out there and do a, a solo show? What were those first shows where you don't have the band, where you don't have this? Stuff? Like, what was what they, was that about? They were weird, but it mm-hmm. was. I had a guy hit me up that wanted me. This guy JT Turret. He he was a fan. He had played with me on the Warp tour years ago. He's in a band uh, called. They were called Arrogant Sons of Bitches, and he's like, "You're my favorite singer. I want to do this tour with you. I have this da da da. What do you need to make it happen? You know, what would you play for money wise? I'm like, who is this guy? Why is he bothering me? And I was almost 40, and I got to thinking, like, if I don't do this, I'm probably never going to do it. And I said, what the hell? And I flew to New York, and I got in a car with a guy I'd never really met before and did 15 shows in a run down the East Coast. Mm. And uh, I played to 12 people in Roanoke, Virginia, all the way up to 300 people in New Jersey. It ran the gamut. New and Jersey's probably a pretty heavy base for lessons. Right, but yeah, the Roanoke. <laughs> Joe was, Kirk comes Roanoke, out of Indy. The Ro- yeah, the, was course, Joe Kirk there? Uh, Joe, yeah, Joe was there. He was in yeah. Philly. <laughs> he played Philly that tour. But right. the, uh, but even the Roanoke show to twelve or fifteen people, they are the super fans of me and the band, and mm-hmm. they, and, you know, so I did, th- that show wasn't treated any different than me playing to sixty thousand people. Again, mm-hmm. you know, you you do what you do. So it was just kind of this thing that I wanted to do. As far as releasing, you know, uh, solo music, I've never released anything for... Or acoustic versions. Acoustic versions, yeah. yeah. The thing about it is, is like, I've been toying with doing something, but I don't know if I want to do, like, uh, acoustic stuff. I'd want it to be a full band, but then putting a full band together, the money behind that, getting into a van and doing this, no way. I already have a band. So there's no delusions on my part of grandeur of like, oh, I'm going to make this solo thing. I go out and make a few bucks here and there. I do 10, 15 shows a year. This was a blast. Jason asked me to be, to be a part of this. I had some time off in my schedule when I came out and did it. But it's really nothing more. And I kind of like the aspect. And I, I tell the crowd every night you're hearing me that, you know, this next song is off my solo record that you're never going to hear. <laughs> Which, come, so, to, come, to my, come to my solo show yeah. and you can hear my other material. Yeah, they're, they're not Less Than Jake songs. No. There are all sorts of different things. Yeah. That you've I play some Less Than Jake's but sure, um, I do. I do some le- lesser known ones. I'm not going to be playing Johnny Quest or course, stuff. We play. We we play it every night. But uh, you know, I do do some of that. I do some cover songs, uh, and I change the setup every night and uh, do my own solo stuff. And like I said, it's cool. Like the you know, the people can come out if they want to hear my solo material. They can hear it. But actually, committing time. And recording solo songs and putting it out there, I just I don't know. I got I got other things to do. <laughs> and now, Chris, this muscle that you've been working because playing solo it has got to be a, a different dynamic. and It's got to have a different ear and a different energy to it. Is there stuff that you picked up from 2014 on in doing the solo material that when you come back and do a Lesson Jake album in, in November, when when it was that you guys did this, that you were like, oh, I'm approaching this from a different place like, I, like like is there some is there a new no. tool is there a new tool set or an expanded tool set that you bring no. back to it and say no the the this hasn't bled into the band at all if, if anything though what it has done you asked me you know was it like scary to do this it was kind of like playing my first show all over again remember the first solo show i played alone it was like 
okay, I'm naked up here without my band. You know, <laughs> right. you don't have your, your gang to back you up because if I mess up a couple guitar chords or words, no one really notices, you right. know, because I got my gang behind me. There's a little me. bit of a wall of sound. Right. Yeah. So basically, um, they were kind of really stiff, the shows, and now I just go out there and, and I'm able to, to work the crowd and just, and just have fun with it. And I, I'm, and I have fun for myself. Because mm-hmm. if I have fun for myself at Translate, like, I look forward to getting up there, much like a Lesson Jake show, yeah. and just like picking people out. I had two guys come on stage. I go, take a seat. These guys were just kind of standing. The one guy was yawning at some point. I go, get your ass up here. <laughs> I put them on stools, and I'm like, I talked to him for like two minutes, and I go, you guys probably want me to play a song, right? I go, I, I just feel like talking to these guys some more. It's and a comedy act now. It's fine. Well, it's all good. It, there's a little bit of comedy to it, but <laughs> it's, it's again, it's. Um, it's being able to connect connect in a little different way because at some points during our set, um, my band just wants me to shut the fuck up, play some songs. Right. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, it, it, there's an energy level to it, and I think that that has something to do with the longevity of the band. Is that you guys had an energy level that wasn't tied in to the the, the medium of a ska punk band or sk- the ska movement. It was. Like you'd say a rock band. It was well, you guys were playing it, rock music. Yeah, we never shied away from the ska term, but that was we we were definitely had ska influences. But I hate when people call this a ska band because it was really disrespectful to the two tone ska. I always called you a metal band. Well, we I mean, <laughs> you know, we're we're uh, definitely we're a, if anything we were a pop band disguised as a punk ska band. Sure, listen to the melodies, mm-hmm. you know, and and. Again, not tooting our own horn, but I get asked all the time, why do you think you guys are still around? And, and a lot of those bands weren't. It's the melodies and the lyrics, man. Mm-hmm. The lyrics touched people. That's why. Have you seen the themes change at all over the time? It's like, like themes today, like when you guys um, have stuff. Like, remember the video you guys did just did on this last album? It had a lot to do with the online trolling, mm-hmm. right? Remember the video? Yeah, of you guys did? And, um, whereas... Something like she's gonna break soon had a little bit of, a, of an influence. There's always been like a, a, a the world versus us attitude, uh-huh. whether or not it's digitally well, yeah, like I in mean, the video, the, but also in your themes like Al's war. I gotta get a, there's an Al's war. There's a guy named Al and he's got a war against the outside world. Right. There's places you gotta get out of your hometown because it'll eat you alive. Yeah. These are all themes that I think we, resonate we no matter just, the age. We were all just middle class kids. Mm-hmm. We all had. Uh, uh, good upbringings but we weren't handed the keys to the Porsche when we were 16 we had to work for things and we experienced all those life struggles that everybody else did and our early records were based on that and then we started getting into the second half of our career the year 5 through 8 or 9 and you were starting to hear lyrics that were representative of getting into our late teens early 20s because that's where those records came and then you got to a record like In With The Out Crowd which dealt with divorce we had three guys in the band that were going through a divorce with that record three of us Mm -hmm. and some people didn't get that record at the time i can't tell you it's weekly i get emails about that record now i didn't get it when i was 24 i get it now i'm 36 and my wife just left me no there's a beautiful i mean and it, Shane Drake did the video on that one, the 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 time of my life, the rest uh, of my life. The, yeah, the rest of my life, and that, that's a that's a beautiful song, and and that's a nice song regardless of what genre it's thrown into. I think you could take some of your songs and put them in other genres, or you've probably seen artists cover them oh, sure. and do jams in different styles. Yeah, and they translate because of what you're saying about the melody 
and, and those things. Um, what have been some of your favorite iterations of the songs or, or things that you've heard that you guys were the impetus of that has now turned into a life of its own? Maybe a new band has sprouted out of you guys. I mean, I saw Blink-182 open for you guys at the Troc in Philly. Right. And then they went stratospheric. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things that, that, that you can look back and say, hey, like, we, we helped light that little spark. And it kept going. Well, I mean, I don't, you know, the thing about, and I get asked this a lot too, like, oh, you know, do you, how do you feel like about Blink or the follow-up with these bands you took out? I mean, it could have happened to us. All it took was a hit, you know? No disrespect to Blink or Fall Boy or any of them, but if they didn't have a hit, no, they'd be a footnote. You know, they, 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 Is they, it binary, though? I, I think I see it as a, as a little bit of a, of, a, of a spectrum, of a scale. You guys had hits in some capacity for some level. Oh, no, 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 no. I, mean, I, I know no. those guys were stratospheric. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking well, like, stratospheric for a number of reasons. Right. Um, we, and this is, it's like hitting the lottery, or, or, or it's like getting mm. on a Major League Baseball team. You're actually one of the 237 people on the field. Mm. There's only 200 spots in Major yeah. League Ball. Yeah. There's only the so NBA. many yeah. spots at radio that you can be that band. Mm-hmm. We've had a hell of a career. Could it have went, and could, and could could uh, we be a household name like Green Day? Sure. The fact that it didn't happen is, is who knows why. But certainly, um, we worked hard. We we were right there. We had major label deals, um, but the stars have to align. We definitely were the black sheep. To this day, we feel it. We'll come out to California and play ska fest, and we're like second on the bill at, at, at a ska punk fest of, of ten bands, and 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 you're sitting back and. and I always, at this point, just say, you know what? This is our career. We got, you want to be top. We got paid. Not, be, not to be top. It's, we're never going to get the respect of a Southern California punk or ska band. It's Real Big Fish's territory. This isn't about Real Big Fish. It's just, we're from Florida. We were never part of that scene. Right. You know? And there's a lot of history with that scene. This isn't, this isn't a bad thing that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that it is. You know, we... We've always kind of felt like we're the underdogs. and um, But part of the reason I think we're still around, there's a blessing and a curse to everything. How many bands have you seen that went, they can't stay together? Sure. You know, they yeah. had those hits, or when they try to come back, no one remembers or gives a shit who they are. You read the rock biographies. You could tell me. Right. <laughs> you know, did no. you see that Molly Crew? Of course. Biopic? Like, it's know. like, holy shit. But I always look to now and I go, well, what if we did have that huge hit? What if we made, you know, this... Statement, this impact, and all this beyond the impact that we have made in our own sure. little thing, we might not be a band. Egos and money and everything else, you know. So here we are, 28 years later, still making an amazing living, getting to play music around the world, and we're happy. And all that stuff that you worried about when you're a kid, did we sell enough records this week? Did are we going to get another deal? And are you we... did worry about them when you're. Well, a kid. I wasn't so much worried. You, we were in the game, right? You know, and. I, I wasn't allowed to do interviews in the 90s with my band because I'd look at people straight in the face and be like, so you guys signed a capital. Yes, I want, I want to sell 10 million records. I want to mm-hmm. live in fucking Beverly Hills. I want to make money to wipe my ass with. I would say <laughs> shit like that. You can't say that. In the 90s, you're a sellout. You know, like, fuck you. Like, it's like, I'm going to go take a job at Toyota. You shouldn't do that. You should go work for Jim's used cars. Yeah, I you're mean, a sellout. But that's I the, hated that term. That's the same attitude that I think Rancid like, did not take that, that, that first Warner Brothers deal. And then they ended up taking, I think, a deal later mm-hmm. that wasn't the same thing. But they had that deal offered to them around the time that like Radiohead and those guys were starting right. to get... 
And those albums came out, and I, I remember Radiohead's album underperformed, and like Rancid's album underperformed. This is like 95, 96, somewhere in there. And um, yeah, who's to say you take that deal, and then everybody looks up and says, eh, it was one album and out. Yeah. You know, you guys are here, like you said, decades later, and you guys are still playing music. Is there stuff that you, that, are there boxes still left to be checked? There is, and, and, and like I said, we're in a position now where we don't have to worry about some of those things that, that we put emphasis on and worried about when we were younger. Um, we don't have to have a hit. Mm-hmm. We don't have to make another record. We don't have to sell another t-shirt. We're still less than Jake. We got a legacy. And to some people, that's a four-letter word. You're a band for the 90s, you're a legacy act. Perfect. Am I in the next festival? Are you going to pay me? Are you going to pay me to show up and play my songs that, that people remember from the mm-hmm. 90s? I'll do it all day long with a smile on my face. It's, it's the best position to be in. Like, we're, We can still make new records. We can still reach the new audience. And, and the strangest thing about our band, we have this such this cult following. I've always kind of equated it to the Grateful Dead in, in a way smaller instance, which is a light years away from us genre-wise. But you know, they didn't have their first hit. Uh, until 1987, 25 years after that band started. It was mm-hmm. a song called Touch of Grey that got on MTV. Mm-hmm. A whole new generation was in- introduced to this band. And, you know, we're, we're closer now to breaking through on another, another level, possibly, than maybe we ever have as a band because we have been around for so long. We have people like yourself that grew up with us mm-hmm. that are now CEOs of companies that now work for Major League Baseball that might go, that not might, we have some... Cool sure. things in the works. Go, want you to write a jingle for ESPN? All of a sudden, we write that song. The next thing you know, who are these guys? Who are these guys? These Wait, they go back thirty years. Right, what is this? Right, you know. And you, not saying that's gonna happen, but it could. And that's the other thing that's so exciting is we don't know what's gonna happen. We, we do know for sure that we still have a career. That we're going out and still we could be out 365 days a year if we wanted to. We still have this base and people like yourself that are interested in talking to us. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But you know, who but the te- hell knows what else could happen? And technology shifts. Like like the Grateful Dead, MTV caused that. You know, right. and, and you hear that. You, I heard it. I don't know if it's true that Flock of Seagulls ended up with more downloads after their song was on Rock Band than they ever did during the 80s. Of course. And it's like, what is the technology that is going to come out? Next year, next five years, that Lesson Jake is conducive. We're on for. a new video game coming out soon. I can't talk about it. But Boom. We, yeah, but we have a new. Yeah, exactly. Play as Chris in the new Call of Duty. You heard it. <laughs> <laughs> first. He is the new Fortnite character. The new Fortnite skin is Chris in the Pez head. Like that is the brand. You heard it here first, Geekscape. Oh fuck, I don't know. But no, you know, you have to like, and I guess to, to sum up everything we kind of talked yeah, about yeah, the last yeah. fifteen or ten minutes about the, you know, about different bands, this and that, and where we're at is that, you know. We can only be less than Jake. Mm-hmm. You can't be who you aren't. You can, and and we're grateful that that we're still able to do this. And um, at the level we're doing it, I think we're playing better as a live band. Our shows are just as fun as as they've ever been. Well, familiarity. You guys have a rhythm. You guys. Have, I mean, obviously, you added a uh, in a drummer, but he was part of your live gigs for a while. Oh, yeah, he'd been with us for seventeen years. Exactly. He started selling our T-shirts, and he did our stage managing and then he uh, uh, did our, our uh, sound and he was our tour manager and then he was doing day-to-day management so he kind of wore every hat and he used to play in a band called Teen Idols he's a hell of a I drummer I love the Teen Idols yeah so Matt was their drummer uh, from the beginning till the end of you know from their inception till the end and uh, there was really no one to pass the torch to he was the first one we asked we said do you want to do this and he was like 
yeah, but this is weird. And he had retired pretty much from playing drums for 10 years. Even he still played. He has a home studio. But to actually get back into the, the arena of, of, of playing live music, it's, it's a phys- physicality. It's really, I mean, Les and Jake has become a little bit of an amalgamation of bands that I either had on the radio back at WXPN in Philly during college or have been on the podcast. I mean, Geekscape, if you're listening to uh, Chris, because I am a huge Lesson Jake fan, I know that when you download a podcast called Geekscape, you want to hear stories about Star Wars and movies and video games and comic books and a lot of the pop culture stuff that we take with us to Comic-Con every year. Um, but you're going to hear the music, because I want you guys to support Lesson Jake. I want you guys to support Chris. Uh, if this is your first time even hearing about them, well, I don't know what cave you've been in, because <laughs> we've pushed a lot of these artists on the show before over the last 13 years. But um, support them, because you guys have very, very much been the soundtrack of my life. And I love having well, people like you and Dr. Frank and Scott Klopfenstein. And, yeah. Um, well, and I do want to clarify, you know, I, I sometimes come off as, you know, because I'm very matter of fact. But I, said, I don't think that's true. I think being a realist is not the same. Well, like, I, said, yeah. I, I, said something, well I said something a little bit ago about like, I used to do interviews like, I want to make $10 million. Like, I always wanted from the time I was a kid, you know, when I was air, playing air guitar and miming into the, into the, into the mirror. I, this is all I ever wanted to do. And Chris, you're allowed to want to make $10 that's million. That's what I'm Right, but if you were allowed then, and you're allowed right, now. But but the the impetus was never about the money. We did this for us. It was the love of punk rock and the love of music. If the if the impetus had been had been about the money, you guys wouldn't have made it past two thousand. Yeah. Because when the when the bubble popped, you would have been like, okay, well that was our shot. We right. we, we didn't hit it out of the well, park. Then, we, let's know, pack it up and go home. You, you reminded me of what you just said too. That was around the time where we started venturing out and doing other tours. And kind of looking for different ways of getting in front of audiences that hadn't heard the band because we knew that this microcosm that we were in, there's diminishing returns after a while. Everything's cyclical, and you see this stuff. Sure. You start when you start to see the dog that's chased its tail start to eat its own tail. Yeah. You realize, oh, they're going to eat never, ourselves alive. We never wanted to be that. We just wanted to keep doing what we were doing, and uh, we've had a, a great career. We've never broke up. We've never taken a couple of years off. We're broken up. They're, every fucking band comes back. Mm-hmm. They all come back. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud that we, we never uh, threw in the towel. We're still here. Um, and we, you know, we continue to celebrate what we do. We uh, played our first show of the year, January 4th, down in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, it was sold out crazy. Just the minute we walked on stage, I'm looking out. And... Um, I know when I'm looking out at the crowd and going, God damn, people look old. I can't imagine how old I look to them. No. Because I'm older no. than them. <laughs> What's crazy is... And I, I, say that, I say that with adoration, <laughs> not, as, not as being a dick. I just remember when I... I'm like, where's all the kids? When I was on your street team, my gig, but this is Geekscape, this is 95 or so. I was on the Lesson Jake street team. You guys mailed me a bunch of little tapes that I had to take down to the record store. It had like mixology of Tom Collins and stuff on there. And I remember I went, Vinny... I was I was allowed, I, I was invited to come and meet Vinny, at I think it was like what became Stubbs Barbecue in Austin where I grew up. Yep. I was not allowed to see the show because I was too young. Yeah. And it, but I was on the street team and, and Geekscape is like that is just the way it was. And in, in, in thinking about it, Vinny seemed like, oh man, he's so much older. He's a thirty. You guys were in your twenties. Yeah. Even now, you and I are only separated by a few years, mm-hmm. and this band is. Much like a lot of the bands that I push on the, uh, I only push a few shows uh, bands on the show. Now that you think about it, Geekscapes. I do mostly talk about movies, video games, and comic books. Um, they just, you guys have just zigged as we've zagged. Is kind of how it is, and and I think that a part of that is being really adept with what you guys have done, but not chasing 
these music trends, even if they're influencing you guys, they've expanded you guys, not turned you guys. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, of course. And, and it was really cool. Like I said, I, I kind of made a, a joke about it, but when I looked out the other day, it was like, you know, these aren't 18-year-olds. It was people that have been following us since we first started many of whom I recognize by face or by name when I look in the audience. Like Joe Kirk, who and, does he, do you, are you on his mailing list at Christmas? Do you of get course, CD? Yeah. Every, every year. I've known Joe for 25 I've years. I've probably moved eight times and he still finds since I lived live. in Philly. Joe should work for the and FBI. he finds you. Yeah, yeah. And he sends him, and, and you'll put it on like your iTunes he or whatever. You can find Jimmy Hoffa. All he needs to do is, <laughs> is start selling sending CDs. This guy, Joe Kirk Geekscape, is... Like having known him for over twenty years, like I've moved so many times. I myself have gone through a divorce, this and that. The, the CD, the double CD of Christmas tunes, still shows up every year. And you're playing, you know, you you have your iTunes or something on shuffle, and you're like, "What the fuck did this song come from?" And you look at it like, "Ah, Joe Kirk's Christmas yep. and mix." And not to take anything away from Joe, he's definitely a special guy. But we we have Joe Kirk's all over the place, all over that continue. And those are the fans, much like yourself, and I thank you, that how many people have you and Joe Kirk and the rest of the Joe Kirks out there introduced our band to? From wearing our shirts, from talking about it on the podcast, from going to the high schools, to going to the colleges, and you got to hear this band, you're at the party. Dude, play this. What band is that? That is what, and, and this is even pre-internet, but it still goes on today. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps, keeps a band going. You know, you, you, Roger just did a uh, interview for Spin Magazine. Uh, it was a feature on They Might Be Giants. That band, incredible. Of, yeah, and and I love them. I'm not as big of a fan as Roger. I, got, is. I actually got into them through your old friend Mike Park when he covered yeah. them. Yeah, you know? yeah, we, we, we did the Bruce Lee band. Yeah, we we did that record with Mike. Yeah, and he's been on the show. Mike Mike was on the show years ago. Geekscape. So if this is your first time listening to Geekscape, and you're on here because of Chris. Shuffle back. Through. Yeah, Mike, you're gonna find some surprises. Got a couple pictures of Mike in my book that's come out, <laughs> but. Uh, Known Mike forever, but uh, yeah. So they're they're a band like less than Jake. They're this underground band that could walk through a mall, no one would recognize them, you know. But they have this this fan base that's adoring that continues to spread the love of this band, and and that's what happens. It happens all the time. People come up and be like, "I never heard of you," and, and I was in my buddy's car one night, and this song came on. Who the fuck is that? Less than Jake. Who? Less than Jake. Never heard of him. You know, and I went out and found you the next day, and that's the beauty of it. You know, um, it's hard to uh, to not know who uh, Green Day or Bruce Springsteen sure. or or you know Nirvana is. It's hard to not know who those bands are, but um, you know, Less Than Jake can fall under that radar, and, and it's the people that make people aware of us that, that are why we're still here. And you guys have hung with them. You guys have hung with them, like this past summer, having Klopfenstein on the on the band. I had no idea he went and toured with Green Day when they were doing their their Nimrod tour. Yeah. And and Dr. Frank, who I push a lot on the show because uh, Mr. T experienced her. I mean, they they were also a soundtrack to my life. Yep, um, love that band. I love the Mr. T experience so much. I think I'm wearing a, a Mr. T experience shirt now. Um, he talks about what would have happened had they had that tour in Europe that they brought him on not fallen apart. Because Green Day, they opened for Green Day on a European tour there in 95, 96, somewhere there. And they started as a, as a band that had a huge hit coming out of the gate. That was a pretty precarious time for Green Day. Uh-huh. Because I think Mike started having problems. A couple of them started having problems with just too much too soon. And they were found themselves in the middle of Italy. And MTX actually got stranded a bit mm-hmm. because the tour fell apart. And Frank and Joel and Jim are sitting there in, in, Euro- in Europe and they're like, 
Wait, could we? I don't think we could have afforded this tour already. How the hell were we going to afford the rest? Of it? This is either a good or bad situation, but I'm glad that band is still around too. And you just don't know wh- where the left and right turns were to take. You just got to keep moving. Yeah. And I think that's not even a music thing. Geeks gave us that is wherever you find yourself in your life right now, looking at yourself at at, at, a, at a at a little bit of a, a of a crossroads. You just got to bring it in. Like I said, like. You I mean, guys, we, we like, you know we bring it in and fucking do it. We didn't get asked when we were first starting out. You know, you guys, you've been a band for three years now. You think you'll be a band in two years, five years? Ugh. No, been ten years, fifteen years. You know, and at this point, realistically, as long as we all are, are healthy, um, and there's no doubt we're going to get along. We've been getting along for twenty eight years. Um, we can do this until one of us drops, and and that's testament to the band. People want to come hear and relive those memories mm-hmm. and we've provided people with memories that they like much like all my favorite bands provided me with memories and why I still not only support them but go see them and, and, and introduce them to other people yeah, as we wrap up what are some of those bands that are still around today that some of the Geekscapists can go jump into besides Less Than Jake oh I mean God I mean there's there's just tons of that you're of just bands. grateful are still around that you're like thank you for still being here um Got outside of the punk world, you know, just, just band, bands like Metallica. Mm-hmm. You know, I can look at a band like that that's just this huge entity that the whole world knows. But, you know, I don't have to to brag about the fact that, that I knew who they were before anybody else did. I just did. I had my ear on the ground, and they were my band. And just because they weren't my band anymore when the Black Album sure. blew up didn't make me hate them. Sure. They'll always still be my band. Oh, I remember my older brother, Skater punk that he was I mean he got me into the music that I listen to now um, and when he started listening to like Injustice for All and Kill and all that stuff and, and when I first started seeing the Eddie posters go up in his room for yeah. the Megadeth shit I was like okay my older brother is he's into something that no one else in our school district is into he's the first kid who shaved the sides of his head <clears throat> and got the earrings and uh, and God bless him. I mean, no longer with us, but uh, but I mean, where the fuck would I have been if I didn't have him yep. to be like, oh, this loud music that really pisses mom off? Yeah. <laughs> it's because I'm angry, and I like it. Yeah, and I'm listening to it. But you, you were angry, not angry, early on. No, it just, I wasn't really angry. I just I just I just liked aggressive loud, music because I was young, you know. But get it. You know, uh, but yeah, Metallica was one. Descendants or another band that that I've gotten to to be f- close friends with and tour with, tour with over the years. So yeah, there's, there's there's a bunch of bands, and and the fact that people have told me that that we are that band to them is is again testament of why we're still around and why we're still doing it. Well, Chris, you are that band for me. You are one of the definitely. I was making my uh, Mount Rushmore of my bands, and it's it is you guys, Green Day, MTX. That's awesome. And then I don't know who the fourth head is, but I'll, I'll figure it out, Geekscapist. We can talk <laughs> about this. Um, thanks for coming on the show, Geekscapist. If you want to roll back through the years, uh, as you said, Chris uh, has a, a book coming out. We're going to promote it when it comes out this summer. And then later that summer, you guys can go forward in years on the new uh, Lesson Jake album. That's fucking exciting. Yes, sir. You just dropped a giant Christmas present on me All right, man. with that little news. Chris, thanks so much for coming on Geekscape and talking about this stuff, Thank man. Thank you for having me on your show, and I wish you nothing but the best. I can't wait to see you play in a few minutes. I hope I don't disappoint you. No, you're not going to disappoint Oh, yeah. You're going to start in, in like the 28th year of our fandom? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. I think, I'll, I think if you did, 
I think you've earned a buy. All right, good, <laughs> I think you good. Got it. I, get, I get my one mulligan tonight. It's like, yeah. oh, you know what? That's fine. They'll be back on tour with the full band. Exactly. Be, he'll get his support. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll get his shit together once he does this. <laughs> Thanks. Right on, cool. So that was pretty awesome. I don't think I was a total nerd. Um, I'm just not a musician. So uh, I do have music guests on the show. I love having music guests on the show uh, because I'm a huge music fan. But um, I've never really spoken to Chris, spoken to several members of Less Than Jake. Um, hey, man, Chris did a great job of making me not nervous to be a total Less Than Jake nerd. I even have a little uh, Pez Boy statue um, it's part of their merch, this little guy with a, if you're into Lesson Jake, you know exactly what I have, it's this little Pez guy, and I've got that, um, and yeah, uh, I hope you guys appreciated this episode again, if you guys liked this one, there's gonna be another one right around the corner, or go back through the years and go listen to all the episodes, uh, with whoever you, you got, if you're specifically a ska fan, my friend Scott Kloffenstein from Real Big Fish was, uh, on the episode, uh, this past summer, he played a couple original songs of his at the tail end of the episode, uh, we've had the Aquabats, we've had Suburban Legends, we've had, uh, who are the other ska people, Mike Park has been on the show from Skank and Pickle and Asian Man Records and Bruce Lee Band, uh, there's been a lot of ska and ska punk people on the show, and, um, I welcome them back, and not that, as we said, Listen Jake is a ska punk band. They are a fucking rock band. Um, but I'm always super, super happy to have them all on um, and share my favorite music with my favorite people, you, the Geekscapists. And if you want to keep sharing, we got a website, geekscape.net. If you want to keep sharing, we got Facebook groups at Geekscape Forever. Uh, we've got a Geekscape group on, on Facebook. Just search for Geekscape. We're also on Instagram. Search for Geekscape Forever. We got the Twitter. There's lots of ways to communicate with Geekscape and be a part of the community. And coming up uh, later this week, we have a little special, uh, I guess next week, we have a little special uh, podcast with a one of you guys, a community member who's been listening to the show since 2007 and since she was like 13 years old and she was in L.A., my good friend Kat, and uh, she's in L.A. from Australia, we sat down to talk about um, some rough times she was in, she, she went through, and how maybe Geekscape helped her out. So that's coming up on the Geekscape feed. Subscribe, share with your friends, do all those things. I want to see you guys online. And for Geekscape, this is Jonathan London. Over and out. I'm going to beam myself away now. Imagine me getting beamed away. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.